You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Job chapter number 24. Job chapter number 24. And then we will go to John chapter number 10. My battery's going to die, so I don't know how long I'm going to preach tonight. So it's irrelevant. Amen. Job 24, one verse of Scripture, verse 16. Now I'm going to read it in the King James Version, and then I'll read it in the Modern English Version. It says, In the dark they dig through houses, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. In the dark they dig through houses. In the MEV, it says, in the dark, they break into houses, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. Go to John chapter number 10. And this is a beautiful passage where Christ is speaking and he is speaking to them about him being the good shepherd. He is the shepherd. He is the way. He is the door. And he gives to us one verse that we often lift out of this context. Beautiful passage. And he says here in verse 10, he says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. Now now he's speaking truth here, but he counters a negative truth or a a truth that doesn't, doesn't have a good reality to it. He counters that with a greater truth, and that's this. I am come that they might have life. Who are they? They is every single one that the thief targets. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. I want to preach about the Lord of the night. The Lord of the night. Can we lay our Bibles down? Let's ask God to have his way in these next few moments tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you For your presence, I thank you for this day. I ask now in these next few moments that you would anoint my mind and my heart and let your word, God, speak into our soul today. Touch someone's life, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Can we magnify him one more time together? Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I want to preach to you about the Lord of the night. The Lord of the night. The nighttime changes things. Or rather, I could say that ordinary things change at night. A child knows this from the time that they are born. It is built within us to know that things change at night. There is a healthy measure of skepticism, let's say, in the nighttime. And a child, particularly at night, does not want to be alone, does not need to be alone because there is a sense, a feeling that There are things at play in the unknown that we need safety and security. I'll never forget walking down a lonely road 
on the western, northwestern portion of Marion County, Indiana, on the outskirts of Indianapolis, there is a state park, uh, or rather a city park that is the size of normal state parks, quite a large city park. In fact, it is the largest city park in the nation, and it's called Eagle Creek. You can go out there and hike and many other things, fish. My wife and I have been fishing there many times, gone for walks, hikes, and other things, but this particular venture, I was with some other friends, some fellow friends from our youth group. I don't know, there's probably about four of us. I can't remember everybody that was there at that moment. I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, maybe, uh, maybe Ben was there, Jason, Justin, Costa. Those guys were probably the guys that were with us. And we were there with Brother Jim Sleeva. Jim Sleeva was here back in June on a Sunday night passing through town. Some of you may have met him. He was as I introduced, probably one of the most influential men in my life outside of my parents and my pastor. And we were hanging out with him, and uh, we, we were on the western side of the park, which is not the public entry access. There's, a, there's, there's an access into the park, and you can pay, you have to pay to get in the park, you have to have a membership, whatever, to get in there. And, and uh, But we didn't go in that way. You could access the park, and you could access the Eagle Creek Reservoir, if you went down this lonely road on the western side. We, we, were, not, we were not trespassing. There were no non-trespassing signs, but there was no place for your car. So you had to park your car somewhere else in the city and beyond this limit at that time, probably going back now at least, I don't know, maybe close to 30 years and uh, 25 years ago. And there, the city wasn't built up, so it was, it was, it was semi-rural, let's say. And uh, we walked, in, we get there in the afternoon, probably around noon, midday, and, and we didn't think about it. We're on our way to the Eagle Creek Reservoir. What are we going to do when we get there? We didn't know. We were just, you get a bunch of kids, city kids together and tell you you're taking them to water, and that's just, a, that's a recipe for fun right there. And so we walked. It, it, it seemed like miles upon miles, but it was probably only about one mile. And we're walking through the woods on this gravel, two, one, one lane, you know, the two tire track path gravel road down through the woods. And it come out at the end, there it was, it was probably DNR access or something like that, I don't know, at Eagle Creek. And we, we get to, now we're Hoosiers, folks, so we get to the water and there's no beach, it's just a muddy shore. And so we're a bunch of guys, we're young. I don't know, I might have been 12 years old at this time, maybe 12, maybe 11. Night, we took our shoes and we took our socks off and, and we waded out in that mud. And if you've never been young and got your feet all muddy in a creek, you haven't lived life. And we waded out there and we had fun. We were swimming around and there were a few fishing boats out on the reservoir. It's a decent sized reservoir. It provides a lot of the water of the city, and uh, um, they, they've got a, a quite, quite the dam that's built up there. And so we're on the northwestern shore, and we, we saw some logs. We saw some old, I think old, you know, those big barrels, those plastic barrels. And we found some old fencing. It was debris that it, it hadn't washed ashore, but it was somebody had dumped their trash, and their junk. And so we set out. We're out there playing around, slinging mud at each other, having fun. But after a while, that gets old, and you got to do something more aggressive. And so we decide, I'm going to swim across the reservoir. 
And we start to swim, and of course we realize we're not going to make it, and we come back. That didn't work out. So we decided then that we were going to build a raft. And I'll never forget it. We built a raft. Now, I had never been to raft building class in my life. It was probably the worst looking raft ever. But we took a couple logs, and we put that barrel in the middle of them, and we took that old wire fencing, and we wrapped it around those things, and we made a raft. And all five of us climbed up on that raft, and we had one of the old long poles, and it was like, we, we were in the middle of Indiana, but we felt like we were boys, Tom Sawyer going down the Mississippi. And we were on our way heading towards the reservoir in the dam over there, and so we're riding down through the thing. And it was a big enough raft that DNR actually came over on their boat. And I'm not lying, if I'm, if I'm telling you this, I promise, I'm not lying. And they told us that we had to abandon our raft. And I remember thinking, you got to be kidding me. After we spent, it seemed like hours building this raft. And we finally were up there and they said, you have to abandon the raft. And they said, technically, you don't have a permit to be on this water. And any floating craft, any boat has to have a permit. And you don't have a permit. So they caught us on a technicality. That because we did not have a sticker on our watercraft... He said, I could write you up, but I will not write you up. He saw we were a bunch of city kids out. We're not, we're not doing anything bad. We're just out having a good time. And so he said, not only that, he said, you have to dismantle it. So he watched from his boat as we rafted back over to the shore and drug our nice piece of ingenuity, and we dismantled it and left the debris there. And we walked back, head sunk down. Now we are completely and utterly exhausted. And what we didn't realize was the sun had began to set. And Brother Sleva head back to the car, and he said, guys, come on. And I don't know, I think we were goofing off. I think we were playing around. We were tired, and he got tired of waiting on us. And so he started marching towards the car. It wasn't that long looking back now, but as a 12-year-old kid, I'll never forget. I can't remember who it was that was with me that were so tired, so fatigued, we were wore out from walking around in the mud. We couldn't keep up with everybody else. So we said, we'll just take a break. We'll just rest here and let you guys, we'll meet you back at the car. And I will never forget that night when the sun went down. And now I have to walk a mile down a lonely road in the night back to the car. And all of the sudden, all of my pride, all of my confidence, everything was out the door because now I'm left to walk on my own. There's something about being out in the middle of the night by yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and even grown men can say, okay, well, this, this just doesn't feel good. Just doesn't feel good. And when you get back, you, you, you're just happy that you made it to live another day. This is built in us. It's innate with us. Job, in this context, is writing here, and he is he's giving another answer as he's answering all of his friends, and he's trying to speak out to God, trying to make sense of his life. He's talking about how he doesn't know where God is. He can't find God, but his confidence says, but I know that God knows the way that I take. And then Job begins to talk about the wicked. He begins to talk about the ungodly, and he 
begins to tell at how it seems like they get away with their unrighteousness and their ungodliness. And it's in the middle of this discourse as he's explaining the way of the adversary, those that are adversary against the people of God, against the ways of God, those that are just wicked. And in verse number 16, he gives to us a great truth of which I would like to highlight, and that is this. In the dark, he said, they break into houses or they dig through houses. And note this, he says, which they had marked for themselves in the daytime. They know not the light. Here's what I come to preach to you tonight, and that is this. That we must beware of the night season that will set upon each and every one of us. The wisest man writes in Ecclesiastes that there is a time and there is a season to everything. And you live very long and you begin to understand that life is about seasons. This too shall pass. Hold on, things will come, things will go. You're going to step from one season into another and there are night seasons of your life. Times of darkness, times of of lacking of illumination, times of, of doubt, times of concern, times where you question your confidence. As Job is in the middle of a night season. Now his faith never wavered in who God was and in what God had for him, but, but he shares with us the realities of those night seasons that he walks through. And in talking about it, he says it's in the night season where the adversary attacks. It's in the night season where the enemy breaks in. It's in the night season when you are vulnerable, when you are at risk, when you are alone, when you are not sure of your step, where you're unsteady. It's in that season that your weakness is revealed, that the enemy is going to attack. But he gives to us a powerful truth. And that is this, that, that the enemy does not wait for your night season before he strategizes and, and begins to anticipate his attack. But he said it is in the daytime of your life that he marks you. It is in that time when everything seems okay, at that time when everything is safe, when life is without risk, when you are so confident and so sure, that is the moment when the enemy marks you. The apostle says that the adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. That he goes about throughout the good times and he's looking you over. He is checking your life. And when you think everything is okay, he's making a mark. He's taking notes. He's, he's waiting. The Bible says that, that even it's the precious life that the adulteress will 
hunt for, that, that the iniquity, that the evildoer will look after. It's the precious life. Can I tell you, you have a target on your back. You have a mark upon you when you are living for the Lord and you are walking in confidence. The Bible says that it's in that daytime that the adversary marks you. You don't fall in the night because of just, it was the moment of circumstances, but you fall in the night when you take, when you take disregard to what's going on in your life. Can I also say this? Beware of the pride of the daytime. Be careful that when everything's going right, that you don't begin to think, well, hey, I got this. Come on, somebody. Anybody going to help me preach? You start thinking, hey, I can handle this. I'm doing pretty good for myself. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've come through. Look at how I'm doing. No, be careful because it's just a season. It's a season of blessing and prosperity and comfort and safety. But, but just stay around long enough and the sun will go down and you'll enter into another season. But I'm here to declare that the God of the day is the God of the night. <laughs> Even though it is in the nighttime when the enemy attacks, it's in those low points when the enemy comes in and he breaks into houses. Amen. God is the God of the night. The same God that gave you the blessing is the same God that can sustain you. Amen. Through the night, the same God that causes the sun to rise is the same God that causes the moon to rise to illuminate a path through the night light. This is what Jesus declares in John chapter 10 when he lets them know. He says that there are many others that have come and all others before me have been thieves and robbers is what he said. He said all that go before me. He said yes those are thieves and robbers he said but, but I am the door and by me if any man enter he shall be saved. He said the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they, who is they? They are the ones that the enemy has marked. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If the enemy has marked you, God already knows it. If the adversary has set down something waiting for a moment, I don't believe. I don't believe that Scripture tells us that the devil is omniscient. I don't believe that Scripture tells us that Satan knows the end from the beginning. He knows God's great plan because God's great plan has been revealed and unfolded in the gospel message, in the word of God. But the enemy does not know the future. He does not know your future. He does not know my future. He does not know the things that will befall us. He does not understand those promises, those tests, and those trials that are going to come to us. He is looking, amen, for opportunity. And he is laying in wait for the moment that we lay down our guard, for the moment that we lay aside and go to sleep, for the moment that we push the autopilot button, that's what he is waiting for. He's waiting for the night season 
I wish I could say that I know when the night season comes. I wish I could say that I'm going to know because we could be prepared for it. But can I tell you, there's much of life that you will never be prepared for. You'll not be prepared for for tragedy. You'll not be prepared for those setbacks, those, those emergency moments that take place. But I'm here to declare that God says, if you have been marked, And it's on those moments that the enemy attacks you. It's upon those moments that the enemy seizes upon you and tries to throw the worst at you. It's in that moment that God says, I know. I know you've been marked. I know he's waiting for the opportunity. But I'm here to declare that there is not one temptation that has come to us that God says, he has not already made a way of escape. There's no valley you walk in that God does not already have your exit planned. There is no, there's no battle that you go through, amen, that God does not already have the victory date marked down. Don't lose faith. The God of the day is the God of the night. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I can go through, I could go through, I could go through the dark, no problem, when I knew I wasn't alone. I can walk through, I can walk through anything when you know you're not alone. It's down those lonely roads that you begin to question, you begin to wonder, am I going to make it? This, I believe, is what David would face when he writes in Psalm 23, and he begins with the truth and he declares, the Lord is my shepherd. I like what he says. This is bold. This is bold. He says, I shall not want. I think it's time that we have a faith like that. A faith that says, in spite of what the future has for me, I shall not want. Somebody today, somebody tonight is going to endure a night season. It will come unexpectedly. If you live long enough and you stay around long enough, it's going to come without warning. But David, before the night, declares, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm talking about faith tonight that knows that he's not just the God of Sunday night, but he's the God, amen, of whatever you're going through in the midweek. And he says, I shall not want. There is a confidence when we understand that God is already in our tomorrow. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you, God's already in your tomorrow. God's already standing on the prefaces of your battle, of your struggle, of your sickness. And he said, I have come that they might have life. And life more abundantly. God knows when you're getting there, and he's already there. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
See, David knew that God was a God of our past. He's a God that can cover our past. We rejoice in that. We thank God for that. We're going to celebrate tonight with Brother Tony as he goes down in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And there will be something evoked in each of us when we remember the night that we were baptized. I, I can still remember the burden that was lifted. When I came up out of that water, there was a confidence. Uh, there was a lifting of guilt. I thank God for what he did in my past. He washed it away if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature, but I'm here to declare he's not just God of our past, but David said he's God of my future. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to throw aside your anxieties, your worries, your doubts, your fears. Hallelujah. He's already standing at the end of the lonely road. He's already on the other side of your temptation, your trial, and your victory. He said, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. These are present past tense. And he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. But sometimes you don't always walk in the daytime. And you walk in the nighttime. There's something unique about this psalm because in this psalm, if you notice, he starts out talking about the Lord in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me. He restoreth me. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, but in the night season. It wasn't enough just to talk about God. It wasn't just enough to praise God. But now he had to talk to God. And he declared, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't say, because he is with me. He said, because thou art with me. I'm here to tell you, he's the Lord of the night. When you got somebody with you, you can walk through anything. Why? Because I'm not alone. You got a group of people hiking through the woods in the middle of the night, and all your fears are gone because you know, hey, I got a company of people that are with me. Your dad's walking with you. You're not afraid. Luca can go through any dark room if mom or dad are there because he knows he's not alone. And sometimes in that night, you got to have that reassuring confidence. And David said, I can't just talk about the Lord, I got to talk to the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? My confidence is not in myself. My confidence is in the presence. Thou art with me. The God that woke me up in the morning and walked me through the day is the same God that leads me through the night season. And in those night seasons when you come, you say, I want strength. I want strength to stand in the night season. You can't get strength. You can get strength at the last minute, but you will not have the strength that you ought to have unless you built upon the foundation of God in the daytime. And you're going to draw on the well and the sources that you have in the daytime. I'll never forget, and I've shared this story before. It's, it's, a, it's a tragic story. But there was some powerful principle and a powerful lesson in it. And I, I share 
again with you tonight, Matt and Amanda Shonker, friends of my wife and I from back in Indianapolis. It was one of the only, the only meetings I ever canceled. We, we, when we traveled, I, I, I never canceled a meeting. But this tragedy was so great. In fact, it was for, I was supposed to preach for Brother Bollinger in Alton when he was pastoring in Alton. And I, I think I canceled on, we were supposed to be there Sunday, Friday, maybe a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can't remember now. I remember feeling so bad. But Matt and Amanda Shonks, baby girl, Emma, was 14 months old. She got sick, went into the hospital, got staph infection, and tragically, tragically passed away. It was a scene that was horrific. Amanda worked in the children's hospital where they took Emma into ER. And it, 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 the only way to explain it in hindsight was that God had his hand on everything. It didn't make sense. It did not make sense why she got sick. It was a simple sickness. But she goes in the hospital. The best they can assume is that maybe she got some kind of staph infection in there. It does not make sense. Still to this day. While she was in that hospital, the, the, we, we were not there. Obviously, we were out and we got the news and we canceled. And so we went there and we drove back home. And the ministers that were there at the hospital, though, said that Matt and Amanda were just praying. They were in the ER. They were there with them. They were standing outside. And all of her friends are coming down from all different floors to come down to work on Emma at that moment. And they were standing outside. And at that point, Amanda did not care. Amanda's first generation Pentecostal. She did not care who was around. She did not care what was going on. She wasn't being obnoxious, but she was getting a hold of God in her night season. She began to pray in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues right there in that hospital. For whatever reason, we don't know, we don't know why God did not heal. We will never understand why God did not spare the precious life of that child. But there was something so powerful in that moment as a testimony that Matt and Amanda... And that moment of their life transferred to many of their family and their friends. I'll never forget, we pulled back into town, and Matt and Amanda, the funeral was, uh, the funeral I think was on Sunday afternoon. The viewing was Saturday, the funeral was Sunday afternoon, and then the, 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 the burial graveside was Monday. And they stood for hours as people came through. And, and all they wanted was... When they were at home, they didn't want to be home alone. It was their firstborn at the time, the only, their only child. And they didn't want to be home alone, but they wanted some of those that were just close to come to their house. And so we'd gather Saturday and Sunday morning, and, and we would just pray, just pray. They wanted people just to pray. They wanted to hear people praying. They wanted to, people to sing, just pray and sing. And we just sat for hours. They would sit for hours, and other people would come. And sit for hours, just pray, just pray. And I remember as Matt and Amanda, Amanda would be there and she'd say, just, just pray, just pray. And there's a room full of people, just pray, just, just pray. We would pray and we'd speak in tongues and we'd sing and we'd worship God and the Spirit of the Lord was there. A night season that I could not imagine, a night season that, that most people would, would not understand. But I'll never forget that funeral. The host of, of people from the hospital and co-workers that were there, and of course many of their friends and everything that were not Pentecostal, did not understand maybe the understanding of that, but they said, we don't want Emma's service to be all sad. And of course the rest of us were at shock, but Brother Pedigo sang, Brother Tim Pedigo sang the old hymn, It is well with my soul. 
When he began, when he got to that chorus and he began to sing, it is well. It is well. It is well. I watched in a large sanctuary as everybody was there gripped by the reality of what had happened. I watched as we all did as Matt and Amanda stood up in that moment and they lifted their hands at the funeral of their child. When the funeral was over and Pastor Mooney gave the last prayer, they simply stood up and they walked out first. It was almost shocking to everyone else. The next day when we went to the graveside, they walked out. And they went there and we had this thing and here we are still gripped. And when they said the closing prayer, Matt and Amanda stood up. They went back to the car and they went on. I can't imagine how dark the nights were. I can't imagine what is going on. But I watched a couple who were just, most people would say, they're just a couple sitting on the pew. They're not the preacher. They're not the pastor. They're not, they're not some, some person up there that you would think, hey, you expect. They were just people that were living for God. And in one of the darkest night season, what was revealed was that he was the Lord of their daytime. And because he was the Lord of their daytime, there was a strength that they found in the night. That I, I don't know, I, everybody else was sitting around, all of us who know the word, everybody else is still sitting around shocked in an amazement, understanding what's going on. I saw Matt, we were in Indianapolis at my parents earlier, I think we were back there for a funeral back in this summer, and I was passing through my parents' neighborhood, and there, there they live, and, and also in that neighborhood, and I, I saw Matt out with his three kids now, they have three beautiful kids. She didn't know at the time, but she found out right at that moment, right after Emma passed, that she was already pregnant with Millie, and they have another girl and, and uh, two beautiful boys, and, and uh, they're growing up now, and there he was. And I, I looked and I watched as the resolve in their life now, God has blessed them. I know, I know they, they, they miss Emma. I know that. I, I, and we still don't understand that, but whenever you talk to them, whenever you hear them, when, and, 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 and they, don't, they haven't put it out, they, they have handled it textbook. I don't know how you could handle it any better. If you could look at it and say, how in the world did people handle this? All I can say was the Lord was the Lord of the night. And it's in those times that the enemy is laying in wait. And they had a mark on their life. They had a mark on their heart. They had a mark on their soul. I've watched now as, as her mother has come in and been baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Watch how God has done works in their family and, and blessed and all the other things. Why? Because they kept their faith in God. And the Lord was the Lord of the night. Even though the enemy had them marked, God said, but I have come that they might have life. I pray that no tragedy so great as that would ever befall you. But the reality is, is that at some point we are all going to face a night season. But I want to preach faith into the future that says the Lord of the day is also the Lord of my night. When I get so low as what to know, what to do, I tell you, I want to do what they did. Just sing. Just pray. Just take me back to the presence of God. Why? Because even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And there's a confidence that comes. 
there's a confidence that comes that knows God is with me. That's what I'm preaching about tonight. I'm preaching about a confidence. I'm preaching about an assurance that goes to bed at night and lays the head on the pillow and says, God's got this. Life may not be what I wanted. It may not be what I planned. It may not be what I intended. But God's got this. He's already on the other side of sickness. He's already on the other side of defeat. He's already on the other side. God's got this. That's the confidence that you and I need to have. That's the assurance that you and I need to walk with. That's the faith that we need to rise with. Would you stand together with me? He said, Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Even in the presence of mine enemies, he says, you are still there. God's still working. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're enduring now. I don't know what your tomorrow will have to endure. But I'm here to tell you, he came that they. Who's they? Everyone that the thief has marked. The thief breaks into houses at nighttime. But there's a Lord that's watching over. They might have life and life more abundantly. Somebody said this, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. That's only true when your life is living with the confidence of the Lord. Come on, anybody ever been through things? I've been tested and I've been tried. We go from faith to faith. You know what that means? We're building upon that. You know, you know what the apostle said? Paul said this. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. You know what he said when he was saying, I'm persuaded? Persuasion is a process. Persuasion doesn't happen automatically, but it happens when you go from faith to faith to faith to faith. David stands before Goliath and says, hey, I can take that. Why? Not because he was arrogant, not because he was prideful, but because he knew God gave him the lion and God gave him the bear. And God's going to give me this. God's got this. Can you bow your heads tonight? Lord, in Jesus' name.